48K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. A top hotel faces criticism after it tells staff to get inoculated or risk big cutbacks. Customs officers crack their biggest ever speedboat-based smuggling case and the EU risks further strife with Beijing by criticising its electoral shake-up in Hong Kong. Hotel operators have been urged to take measures to improve business instead of forcing staff to get vaccinated against COVID-19. This comes after the Peninsula Hotel in Chimcha Choi warned of possible layoffs if 70% of staff aren't vaccinated by the end of the month. Alex Choi from the Hotel Employees Union also condemned tactics from other hotels, such as requiring new recruits to be inoculated. He suggested hotels use other methods, such as opening so-called Zone C and D sections in restaurants, which can stay open longer for vaccinated staff and customers. So most of the hotel just need to open Zone C or Zone D in order to enhance their business. Some of the employees might be willing to fascinate. I know some of the hotel asked those who already fascinate to do the food and beverage job for Song Si and Song Di, which is just a substitution within different departments. It is a solution for forcing employees to have vaccination. A patient's rights activist says businesses should help pay for poorer people to check whether they're healthy enough for a COVID-19 vaccination. Alex Lam, chairman of Hong Kong Patients Voices, expressed concern that grassroots people who aren't fit for a jab might get one because they want to enter various lotteries offered to vaccinated people. He said they may not be able to afford to see a private doctor if they're concerned about side effects and may have to queue a long time to access public health care. Customs officers say they've seized goods worth $120 million in what they say is the biggest ever bust of a speedboat smuggling operation. Goods, including luxury bags and parts from endangered animals, were being loaded onto a boat near Laufoshan last week when customs took action. Four people have been arrested. Mark Wu, the head of the Syndicate Crimes Investigation Bureau, said the smuggling operation was highly sophisticated. The syndicate carry out very sophisticated uh, counter-surveillance activity on our officers. They employ several speedboats to patrol in the western waters. And they also send some syndicate members to check the area surrounding the loading pond in North Aosan. And finally, they even use the drums to assist in their counter-surveillance activities. So we need to adjust our enforcement strategies constantly in order to circumvent their activity. The European Union has denounced Beijing's overhaul of Hong Kong's political system, accusing China of breaching its international commitments. Here's Robert Kemp. In a statement released through its top diplomat, Josip Borrell, the EU said it would intensify its response to the situation in Hong Kong by increasing support for civil society, promoting freedom of expression and facilitating the movement of Hong Kong citizens. It also said it would be observing the trials of pro-democracy activists while considering a visit to the SER by high-level EU officials. The EU recently put on hold an investment deal with China over concerns about Hong Kong, China's claims to sovereignty in most of the South China Sea and Xinjiang. The Professional Teachers Union has appealed to RTHK to reinstate programmes it's deleted from the internet, saying the purge has affected teaching. It said 85% of more than 580 teachers surveyed use the programmes as teaching aids. RTHK deletes content from its website after a year and last month announced it would do the same with its content on YouTube. 
Critics accused RTHK of trying to delete history by removing controversial political programmes that some people had said were biased. The union's vice chairman, Ipkin Ewan, said teachers held RTHK's programmes in high regard. You cannot say that RTHK is most biased than other programmes produced by other channels or other producers uh, might also contain bias. So teachers have to make their judgment and, and make use of the programmes wisely. And I think you will find that teachers actually have high regard on RTHK's programs and they find them have a good reputation and reliable programs, not only the teachers and also the parents. Overseas, there's a growing threat of a trade war between Britain and the European Union after talks to resolve a dispute over post-Brexit trading rules in Northern Ireland made no breakthrough. The European Union negotiator, Maros Shevkovic, warned that patience with Britain was wearing very thin. We are at the crossroads in our relationship with the UK. Trust, which should be at the heart of every partnership, needs to be restored. That is the EU approach and the EU preference. If the UK were to take further unilateral action over the coming weeks, the EU will not be shy in reacting swiftly, firmly and resolutely to ensure that the UK abides by its international law obligations. Britain has complained that the EU is taking a purist approach. President Biden has promised to lead a global alliance of democratic countries against emerging autocracies at the start of his first overseas trip since taking office. Shortly after arriving in Britain for a G7 summit, he told cheering members of the US Armed Forces that those who believed that the age of democracy was over were wrong. He promised to take a firm line with Russia's President Putin during talks next week in Switzerland and vowed to revitalise the NATO alliance. Our NATO allies have had our backs when it mattered, just like we've had theirs when it's mattered. And now we need to modernize our alliance, investing in our critical infrastructure, our cyber capabilities, and to keep us secure against every threat we've faced over the last decade and the new challenges we're about to face as well. Final results from a scientific trial in Indonesia to combat dengue fever show it can be sharply reduced by an experimental technique using bacteria. Here's the BBC's James Gallagher. Dengue has been a relentless, slow-burning pandemic. 50 years ago, it was in only a handful of countries, and now half the world's population lives in affected areas. The trial took place in Yogyakarta City in Indonesia. Five million mosquito eggs were placed in the city, all of them were infected with Wolbachia bacteria, which are harmless to both us and the mosquito. But Wolbachia claims the best real estate in the insect's body, so dengue virus struggles to get in. The results in the New England Journal of Medicine showed cases fell by 77% and the numbers needing hospital treatment by 86%. The United Nations is warning that after decades of decline, child labour is rising again worldwide. A new report says the number of children working has reached 160 million. UNICEF says more than half of them are aged between 5 and 11. The UN believes the pandemic has exacerbated the problem. UNICEF's executive director is Henrietta Faure. They are affected by school closures, lockdowns, lost parental jobs and income a lack of social safety nets. Families are desperate and they're turning to child labor as a last resort. We must not accept this. 
we urge countries to expand income support measures like child benefits to get children back into school where they belong. Lawyers for the Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny say they'll appeal against a court ruling that in effect bans his political movement. Judges in Moscow classified organizations linked to Mr Navalny as extremist. Supporters face being barred from running for public office with parliamentary elections due to take place in September. A spokesman for the prosecution, Alexei Zafiarov, said it was the right decision. It was found that these organizations not only disseminated information that incited hatred and enmity against government officials, a number of political parties and social movements, but also committed extremist actions and crimes. We consider the judgment legal and justified and satisfying. The ruling has been condemned by Britain and the United States. A Russian student held in Minsk has sent three letters to her mother, the first communication since Belarus devoted an aircraft to arrest her journalist boyfriend Roman Protasevich. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford reports. Sophia Sapega is being held in the KGB prison in Minsk where her family are not allowed to visit or speak to her. So her mother Anna told me these three letters that all arrived at once were a huge relief as well as deeply distressing. She asks her family not to blame Roman Pratasevich for what's happened. Sofia reassures her family that she's coping, not giving in, and describes finding pleasure in birdsong and sunshine through her cell window. But there is still no clue about how long she might be kept there or even what crime she might be charged with. In Belarus, her lawyer isn't allowed to reveal that. A controversial plan to build an oil pipeline nearly 2,000 kilometres long between Canada and the United States has been officially cancelled. On his first day in office, President Biden revoked a permit needed for a stretch of the pipeline in the US amid concerns it would worsen climate change. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. The Keystone XL pipeline has had a chequered history. After being rejected by President Barack Obama, Donald Trump revived the project in 2017. Environmentalists and Native American groups had fought against it for more than a decade, but others, including some Democrats, argued that it would have created energy sector and construction jobs for American workers. In a statement, the developer, Calgary-based TC Energy, said it was disappointed but would dismantle its equipment and work towards a safe end to the project. Project. The world's biggest meat processing company, JBS, has admitted that it paid an 11 million US dollar ransom to resolve a major cyber attack. Hackers caused several of the Brazilian firm's plants to close down two weeks ago. Here's the BBC's Rory Gallagher. Cyber breaches like these often leave companies scrambling to assess the damage before being drawn into the shadowy process of negotiating with the attackers. JBS's chief executive in the United States, Andre Nogueira, described the decision to pay as very difficult, but he said it was the right thing to do to prevent any risk to customers. The transaction was reportedly made using Bitcoin. JBS says its investigations so far show no data has been compromised. Last week, the FBI blamed a notorious group based in Russia for the attack, saying it was working to bring the hackers to justice. Finance a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,824, that's 80 points up on the previous close. Currencies, the US dollar trading at 109.51 yen, the euro stands at 1 US dollar 21 cents, and the pound gets you 10 Hong Kong dollars and 95 cents. Sport, and we start with French Open tennis. The highly anticipated semi-final between Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic is now confirmed. Both needed four sets to win their quarter-final matches, 
Djokovic progressed after winning 7-5 in the fourth and deciding set against Matteo Berrettini. Nadal outlasted Diego Schwartzman to book his 14th French Open semi. The contest was watched by the BBC's Jonathan Overend. It was a highly entertaining match and we know all about Diego Schwartzman's threat on clay. He's been one of the best clay court players over the past few seasons and even though he hasn't been at his best during this 2021 season, he really took the game to Nadal today and deserved it when he levelled the match at one set all. It was a, a strange decision from Nadal to drop shot Schwartzman set point down because Diego is one of the fastest players out there. He raced forward, gave Nadal the chance for a lob but he mishit the lob Nadal long it went and Schwartzman was back in the match they played a really entertaining third set as well Nadal won that it was a close one before racing through the fourth set far more comfortably so good effort from Schwartzman but the bottom line is Nadal wins again and is into a 14th semi-final and he's never lost one at Roman Garros the women's last four gets underway tonight and it features all first-time Grand Slam semi-finalists. Russia's Anastasia Pavlichenkova takes on the Slovenian Tamara Zidansek. That's followed by Maria Sakari of Greece versus Barbara Krejcikova of the Czech Republic. Sakara, the 17th seed, is the highest-ranked woman left. This was her reaction after she knocked out defending champion Iga Swiatek in the quarterfinals. It's a very nice feeling and... You know, I could have done it without, you know, my team and their support. And I just want to thank them. And we still have a long way to go, of course. But, you know, we made a huge step today. In football, the English Premier League team Wolves have appointed the former Benfica boss Bruno Lagi as their new manager. The BBC's Simon Stone has details. Lagi's arrival underlines the Portuguese influence at Molyneux and in particular that of super agent George Mendes. Building on Nuno Espirito Santo's legacy will not be easy for the 45-year-old. Lager is best known in England for his work as assistant manager at Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea, but the attraction for Wolves is the Portuguese title he won as head coach at Benfica in 2019. However, with midfielder Ruben Neves attracting interest from Arsenal, there may be some rebuilding work for Lager to do before the new season starts in August. And the Italian side Lazio have named Maurizio Sarri as their new manager. On the ice, New York Islanders are heading to the Stanley Cup semi-finals, beating Boston 6-2 to seal the series 4-2. And the Phoenix Suns are two games to zero up in their series against the Denver Nuggets, winning 123-98 in Arizona. Top stories again. A top hotel faces criticism after it tells staff to get inoculated or risk cutbacks. Customs officers crack their biggest ever speedboat-based smuggling case. And the EU criticises Beijing's electoral shake-up in Hong Kong. The news from RGHK. I done been around the world, I done kissed a lot of girls, so I'm guessing that it's true. Uh, make me holler and I bet a million dollars, don't nobody kiss it like you. Uh, don't nobody kiss it like you, don't nobody kiss it like you. Bang, bang, bang. Don't nobody kiss it like you, don't nobody kiss it like you. Uh, it's five in the morning, cause she's rolling while she making, shaking legs. Yeah. Do one thing. What? Well, see, 
Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday, the 10th of June is today's date. A big thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. And we sure have a busy program with some great music coming your way this Thursday afternoon. So thank you for uh, choosing to tune in to Radio 3. 
In about 10 minutes or so, we'll be hearing a poem which is entitled Two, and it's by Alexandra Colgan, who was the second prize winner of the Hong Kong English Poetry Competition 2020. And now, as you know, we're running the competition once again this year, and the theme this year is white. So we hope you'll feel inspired uh, by previous entries and the second prize winner of last year and put pen to paper and join in with this year's uh, Hong Kong English 